1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Does being a songwriter and an artist make you notice things about the world which other people may not? That's a good question, yeah. I I think... I think
0: maybe I, I'm just like a hyper sensitive, hyper inspired person and from what I've learned with my little experience, that just seems to be a common thread with a lot of artists is that they're actually just really sensitive people, for better or for worse, and so um I just tend to take a lot of things personally and that helps me write music and to feel things deeper and then eventually, you know, to write songs that help people experience their emotions and understand them. I don't know. I think I just really, yeah, I'm really sensitive and easily inspired by things. It helps me write songs. So I don't know if it's like, like I'm more tuned into reality or something. I'm probably less tuned in um, as an artist. But yeah, there's just a lot of ways to look at it.
1: I guess in the same way that people have different capacities for understanding like what you're saying that people have different capacity for emotion as well
0: um yeah i don't know i mean it it just totally depends like there's this odd thing and it's always been true i mean for like a long time that like artists are the people that society trusts to like push towards a vision or something and i don't know like artists are just really sensitive people and i'm like when whenever people like ask me advice i'm like i don't know if I'm the person you should be listening to, you know, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. But yeah, it it just totally depends. You know, every story is different.
1: Does that what you're saying there, you know, does that self-doubt kind of tie a little bit into the idea of being more sensitive and kind of emotionally in tune?
0: Oh, I would definitely say so. Yeah, I would would definitely say that.
1: Have you always had self-doubt in that way? Or is it something that kind of comes as you grow a little bit older?
0: I would honestly say it's kind of reversed, like it's disappeared quite a bit over the years. And it's not like I'm, like, you know, manically, like, anxious or something. Like, I know that's something a lot of people actually psychoneurologically struggle with. But I think the way my brain kind of processes things and, you know, in return, the way that I approach writing and making music is I'm just obsessed with context and um, making sure I know, like, every detail about anything. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just look, I try to look on both sides of everything, if that makes sense.
1: Like context in terms of how a particular part of the song is framed in comparison to the rest of the song, or even like how a particular song is framed in context with the rest of the record?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with like continuity and um, albums.
1: How does that function for something like TikTok then? Because you've obviously had a little bit of success there, and that's something that's kind of taking a section of the song out of context. And people are still resonating with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it is crazy. I mean, to be totally honest, I'm not sure about TikTok. Um, it's such a strange platform. And there's a lot of great stuff. But it's just like, it is the complete like essence of overstimulation uh, and <laughs> technology. And so, I don't know. It's just crazy that like my song just got thrown into that hurricane of um content and just really got a life of its own there as well um, which is crazy
1: it, it can be a strange platform By like the way you open up the app and it just starts playing instantly you're in there's no kind of respite yeah
0: yeah it's scary like how specific it knows like what you want to see next
1: you make little tiktoks and stuff though as well don't you you've got a, a Diglo little tiktok
0: um i do all of the tiktoks on there were like Videos that I had made for Instagram, so I haven't like gotten the app and then made a TikTok. You know, yeah, they were like pre-edited
1: videos. It's just a way of kind of getting that video to more people, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, speaking of video and kind of film, what can you tell me about the film? He ate the chip.
0: Oh, he! Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah that that was that was a deep dive. Sure. Um, he ate the chip. I thought was taken off of YouTube um, many years ago, but somehow, you know, a fan found it and reposted it, um, which, you know, is funny, but I I don't know how they found it. But anyways, I used to love, like, filmmaking, and I thought maybe I would do that in college um, and beyond. You know, I thought I was maybe going to do, like, advertising and enter that whole world. But um, He Ate the Chip was a short film that I made with some friends for this festival for high school students um, called the all American high School Film Festival, and it like was really good for a resume if you wanted to go into a film school so we just kind of made it just like wrote it completely randomly filmed it, and then it made the film festival, which was really awesome um, and that's really like probably a big reason on my resume why I got into uh, the University of Texas but yeah, we, a, weird, a weird little video.
1: When did you write it?
0: Um, I think I was like 16, halfway through my junior year of high school, just with some of my friends, you know, just goofing around in
1: my backyard. And you filmed it all yourself as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a friend, like it was me and three other guys or something. And we all just like made it together and then, you know, did all the editing and stuff.
1: Have you always had that Desire to make stuff in that way and kind of do it yourself the same way you do with music.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Texas. There was no sort of creative scene. I'm sure when you think of Texas, like maybe you'll think of like Friday Night Lights or something, or it's just like a small town, like football kind of thing or American football. It's just like so true than the town that I grew up in because it's just like everybody loves football and nothing else. And I just felt isolated, being a person who wasn't interested in that and just, like, wanting to make music and and just stuff, just videos and having fun and being creative. And so I grew up just watching, and I still watch YouTube all the time, but just, like, that fun, creative um, energy I've always loved. So I used to make lots of little videos and skits, making songs, you know, I'm just obsessed with, like, um, making stuff
1: does that carry into the music videos now?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Originally, the first handful of music videos I did, I I just, you know, recorded with a tripod at, you know, my parents' house and edited them all myself in uh Final Cut and iMovie. And um yeah, just kind of started out that way. And now I have help with directors and animators, but all the ideas are still they they come from me and I'm I'm still really involved.
1: Does that collaboration feel different to the way you kind of craft your own music? Because obviously, you know, you work and produce the music all yourself, but then when you're going on to work on videos, you have other people come in to help execute your idea. Does it feel like quite a different creative process and experience in that way?
0: Um, It's definitely different. Yeah, I'm, I'm very... Anything I create is just really personal to me. And so it's just weird. I've always been really weird about letting other people do anything, which is a bad thing in in some ways. I need to kind of let go and let other people do what they're good at, and like it'll eventually make better art. But I've just been really picky all of my life about what I let go because I want what I make to be personal and something that I'm just really, really proud of. And so it's been really strange like handing over Anything. Like I have two managers who are absolutely awesome. Um and they're like incredible and really like veterans in the music industry. But like there's still things where I'm like, I want to answer the email, you know, like I want to do <laughs> and I, I need to let go some ways, where it's like, why am I holding on to that? Yeah, I just grew up having this idea that artists in any capacity were just like involved in everything. And, you know, the more I've existed in the music industry, the more I've realized that that's really not the case, that it's pretty rare for someone to be involved with everything because it's very stressful. So um, nobody really wants to do that, but for some reason I still do.
1: Does that tie into maybe the isolation? You were saying you had a little bit of growing up. Like if during your formative years, you've kind of been used to doing everything on your own, does it maybe cement it a little bit in your mind as the way you like to work?
0: I think so. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely by nature like a workaholic and perfectionist. I, I just love to make sure that things are just like the best they can be. I feel like in my head, I convinced myself if I'm fully involved, then if it's if it's terrible, it's totally my fault. Um, but if it's awesome, then I can take all the credit, you know. So um, that's just like my deepest nature, saying that. That sounds kind of narcissistic. Um, and I've let go of it, but, you know, just being totally honest, that's probably what my brain is going through. Yeah, I I think it just comes down to me being a perfectionist.
1: I guess as well, like what you're saying there, where if it fails, it feels like it's totally your fault. If it's you that's Mm -hmm. kind of at the helm of it, you can then take that experience and learn from it. Or if something fails and someone else is kind of pushing it, it's harder to get a lesson from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I could see that being
1: the case. How do you feel your perfectionism kind of manifests itself in a different way on this new single in comparison to the debut record? Like it feels a little bit more gigantic than the kind of slightly lo-fi kind of homey feel to the, the debut.
0: Yeah, um, well, thank you. That, that's definitely part of the goal. Yeah, I, something that I love about being in creative control in regards to music, that every record technically, if you look at it from a sonic viewpoint, someone who's like an engineer, every album that I make next is technically going to be better uh, because I'm figuring out how to do stuff, you know, so like when I first recorded Fuzzy Brain, I had no gear really whatsoever and didn't really know how to mix anything. And now that I have a little bit of a better idea, my next album, you know, sounds better because I have some gear. And then by the time the next one comes around, you know, I'll learn so much more than I know now. People who have been with me from the start um, can kind of look back in this catalog and see each album, me uh, growing up, both as a person, but also as you know, a creative um, writer and engineer, which I think is, is going to
1: be really cool. When do you notice that happening? If it, is it quite a gradual thing or do you get a sense when you've kind of had a breakthrough and you've advanced a step?
0: Uh, not, not in the very moment. I'm like, oh, I, I know this sounds better. I just kind of keep making it and it's all this like big blur. But then once I go back and compare the mixes of this album to Fuzzy Brain, you know, it's, it's pretty dramatic, which I owe a little bit to just having better gear, but also just knowing how to use what I
1: have. Does that bleed into the songwriting process as well? Like if you have a greater understanding of the production side to it? Does that then carry on to when you're actually working, you know, on the bones of the song and the structure of it as a song in its basic form?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, de- definitely. I think I view making music as a whole, like I see production and writing going hand in hand. Um, I've always had a hard time, like thinking of them as different things. You know, I'm only 21 now, so like my musical tastes are still forming, and these past couple years. Um, since Fuzzy Brain, I've been listening to like a ton of just like 70s and 80s pop and realizing like that's what I love, like listening to like James Taylor and, you know, any artist in that whole world. I've just been really listening and like loving the songwriting style and learning how to write more personally and approaching songs really pretty differently than I had with Fuzzy Brain. Yeah, I definitely think I'm maturing a lot as a writer as well and just understanding myself and how you know, I like to write songs.
1: Well, you were saying at the start of that about how you don't view you know, the songwriting and the production as kind of two separate things, they're very much the same process. Does that make it easier or harder to view individual parts of the song in the context of the project as a whole? Like what you were saying earlier about your kind of interest in viewing everything in context.
0: Once everything is done, it makes it easier. Like, the album now, which is is pretty much done, like, there's no song that I could take out at this point. It just wouldn't feel right, just hearing all these songs together. But there's a fair share that I just, you know, had to take out. But in the same thing happened with Fuzzy Brain. I think I had, like, 20 finished songs and then, you know, ended up with uh, 10. And so with this album, definitely so. There's been tons of songs that I wrote that won't make it. And I hope eventually, you know, to like release those as like an archives or B-sides kind of thing. But yeah, I I think it helps in the long run.
1: When you added those two songs to the debut record and you kind of expanded it a little bit, how did that change the context of which you viewed the songs in that album in? I think
0: I kind of just view them as like deluxe tracks, although it's like not a deluxe version of the album. Um, They're kind of just like bonus tracks. But at the same time, it does feel right, and it just totally fits. Because I had those two songs, they're sitting around, and I wanted to release them. They just sounded like Fuzzy Brain, and then once this album comes out, they just couldn't have fit on this album. So I thought it made the most sense to let them, you know, live with the other Fuzzy Brain songs.
1: Had you written them at the same time as the rest of the album, or did they come after it was finished?
0: I had written them and recorded them at the same time as the album. I had decided originally that they weren't going to go on it, so I didn't finish mixing them. So I finished mixing a little bit after. But they had been written at the same time.
1: Did the fact that the album had already come out and you kind of had a clear view of this thing as a whole impact the way that you mixed the other two?
0: A little bit, yeah. I I tried... Like I had learned a little bit more by the time I was mixing nicknames and Listerine, but I didn't want to just like have it sound dramatically different. So I kept the same techniques and plugins that I was using for the rest of Fuzzy Brain on Listerine and nicknames as
1: well. Did they kind of tend to take more or less mixes then than the rest of the songs on the record?
0: Listerine, I, I mixed a lot of times. Um, <laughs> Nicknames, I just like I can't I just nicknames is kind of a blur. I remember just like not feeling that sense of like, oh my gosh, like this is gonna be terrible or something like there's just always this existential crisis that I experience when I'm finishing a song, and with nicknames, I just never felt it. I was just proud of it i I thought it was it was good, but with Listerine, um there are a couple moments where I just like drove myself crazy mixing
1: it, you know. Have you managed to figure out why it was that you didn't have that crisis on nicknames?
0: Yeah, I probably just like did less. I probably just mixed less because I get so focused on little details that just do not matter that no listener is going to like care about. And so with nicknames, I just didn't do as many effects and um, just tweaks. Where with Listerine, I got, you know, pretty carried away. <laughs>
1: What's the, what's the record number of mixes for our track?
0: Man, on the new album, there's been... I, I honestly stopped numbering them. I just started dating them. So I'd have to go back and count. But Close To You, and, and the rest of the album I've mixed a lot of times, but Close To You probably had 50-something bounces, you know, like separate mm. from the very first demo um, to the final mix probably 50 different times I exported it.
1: Can you still hear the spark of that initial demo in like the 50-something mix by the time you get there?
0: I think so. I think so, yeah. I Until the song is released, I can listen to it over and over and over because I'm just really focused on, like, is there anything I need to change before other people hear it? And so I was listening to Close To You multiple times every day, just, like, focusing. And there's actually... Um, one thing on the final master that I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I completely forgot to do it. There's like a clap every uh, on every like three or something. I'm I'm not, I'm blanking on the musical term, but um, there's like this echo that's supposed to be on it, and I exported it without listening to the one that I went to get mastered by someone else, and I realized after listening back to that master that like I forgot to add the clap echo. Oh, man. And I realized this like week, weeks later and I was like, oh my gosh. But that's just, you know, a little fun way that I guess I'm letting go of my pride because that doesn't matter. You know, like no nobody cares. It's crazy how, how many details, you know, I care about that, you know, nobody else will.
1: <laughs> Does it tend to get more or less detailed as it goes on in the mix? Like are you stripping more things out or adding more things in as you progress with it?
0: it I guess it totally depends. I think more often I'm probably adding more, but there's definitely times where I go in and just like strip away. Usually once I really realize that like I love the song, this is going to be something I finish and release, I'll go back and re-record most of the parts and just like tighten it up, make make sure they're the best takes that they can be. So that kind of gets rid of the sloppiness because a lot of this album i think almost everything like all the synths and stuff are all analog so i was recording and playing it myself rather than you know midi stuff which there's a little bit of that and i timed it afterwards as well but i don't know it it just depends on the song i guess
1: yeah i guess you kind of just strengthening the core of it when you're doing that kind of Mm -hmm. going back and Mm re-recording it's interesting though because a lot of them do feel quite simple and their construction so it's an interesting juxtaposition that it takes like you know 50 odd mixes to get them to that point it's almost Mm -hmm. like the simplicity is just the tip of the iceberg it's a little bit deceiving from a listener's point of view Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah i wish i would do less mixes and i think i'm getting to the point where just like the first mix is just going to be better i think especially with this album because i mixed it myself Usually what an artist or producer would do is, like, you do have that, like, maybe fifth mix, you know, and then you send it to someone else to mix it. And then, you know, they're a professional engineer and, like, they've been doing it for years. And those are the mixes that I'm referencing. So I'm thinking, like, oh, my gosh, you know, my mix uh, as a 21-year-old needs to sound exactly like, you know, this person's. So that's just, like, I got to let go and realize, like, this is not going to be perfect. Um, you know, there's always going to be someone doing something a little bit better than you, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it just, it all depends, but I, I'm hoping I can get,
1: you know, a
0: little bit less mixes out of it.
1: I mean, with with this new single close to you, can you hear that song as a whole now, or does your ear always begin to kind of hone in on those little individual elements that you were saying there, you know, about the, the clap sound and stuff like that. Can you just listen to it Mm -hmm. as a song, or
0: I think I listened to music pretty detail focused. Like I worked on that synth sound for a while, just the main hook, like keys section. And that was all live. But I recorded that the very first day. So that take I never replaced. And yeah, I just kinda made this whole jam track but you know, then got obsessed with all of the uh, the engineering and mixing afterwards.
1: But yeah, I guess it just depends on the song did the soundscape of that take more to work out or the actual kind of narrative core at the center of it, you know, lyrically? The
0: soundscape for sure. I just really wanted it to sound like a modern indie take on like a, you know, Whitney Houston song or something, you know, excluding, you know, her vocal performance. There's nothing that I could do, um, (laughs) to remotely, you know, like, uh, be vocally, you know, like Whitney Houston. But yeah, just listening to like, you know, Thriller or something, you know, Michael Jackson and that sort of pop production is what I was really focusing on with close to you. But yeah.
1: So do you kind of pin the narrative of it down first and get that wrapped up and then advance onto the soundscape or do they kind of intertwine throughout? It kind of intertwines, yeah. I wrote it the song, uh the
0: instrumental first, which I usually will write an instrumental first. The lyrics came, you know, like maybe halfway through
1: and then the last half is all just mixing. When the lyrics arrive, does that change the feeling you get from the instrumental in any way? Um,
0: I think with Close to You, it definitely did a little bit. Like the falsetto um, call and response hook, I think made it sound a lot like sweeter and then After that, you know, I did a couple more synths with little sparkle things going on. So I think so. Yeah, I think it did change it a little bit.
1: It's got a, I know you've kind of spoken before as well about the 80s kind of references that have infused Mm -hmm. it. It's interesting because when we look back to a lot of the 80s pop, similar to your first record, there's a lot of optimism about it, which is maybe Mm -hmm. not as present in modern pop today. You know, you look at someone like The Weeknd who's channeling similar 80s influences, but is a lot darker Mm -hmm. is it Mm -hmm. harder to kind of find an emotional tension when you're working with that optimism
0: i don't know i I feel like there's definitely a lot of tension because how much pop isn't optimistic it kind of does feel like you know i'm working against something like i'm working against what most music you know is tending to talk about and the emotions that they're giving, you know, in their music. And and also like I love the weekend. Like I love I love sad music. You know, I love like uh I love me some Phoebe Bridgers and uh Connor Oberst. That's like he was one of my favorite writers, you know, throughout like high school and stuff. Can be a bit of bright eyes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but I, I think personally for me it's just like I wanna make music that makes people feel good and helps them process the emotions they're experiencing um, in a positive way. I, I don't know. I think that really drives me and keeps me emotionally attached to what I'm saying and just ultimately makes me careful about you know what I'm saying and the, the music that I'm making. Careful in what way? Um, just, just recognizing the emotional capacity and power that music has Which I honestly fully didn't realize until um, Fuzzy Brain was released and started getting attention. That you know I would get these messages from people who are like like you know this music really means a lot to me, and I'm like like really you know like that's that's crazy just to know that music has this power really to um, help people um, emotionally on a really really deep level, and so I think there is a certain responsibility for any. Creative or artist that's making and helping people process things emotionally, um, just thinking about the direction you're helping them. And so, if I can positively help people with their emotions and how they treat other people through making pop music, then that's a pretty crazy phenomenon.
1: Is that partly what fuels the perfectionism as well? Because you have to get it that specific so that it can play that role in people's lives?
0: I would definitely say so yeah so it's all worth it in the end yeah I would I would definitely say perfectionist comes from that.
1: Do you ever think about the impact it could have on people's lives when you're maybe at quite a tough part of the process and it's really getting to you and kind of stressing you out?
0: Yeah I think anyone can be forgetful about you know anything and so there are times where I am completely engulfed in the gear and like the mixing and I'm just like oh like I need to fix these frequencies or something. And like, um, there's no low end in this song. And then I'm like, well, this is not what it's about. You know, it's, although it's fun. And I am like a music nerd, um, when it comes to mixing and engineering, like this, this isn't about, you know, all of that. It's about, you know, making this music and the connection with the listener and, yeah, so there, there's definitely days where I forget.
1: It's funny how you always, you know, view everything in the song in context, but then it can be difficult to view your kind of role in the music you're making in the wider context of the world in that way. What you're yeah, singing. yeah, it is a paradox. With the new single as well, were you honing in on one specific experience or was it kind of drawing from a collective of things and a particular feeling for you? I tend to write music like half, personal
0: experience, half like thinking about the listener and what they possibly have experienced as well. Because like I was talking about, I'm like super hypersensitive. So there can be a really small moment that I'm just able to write a lot about. And so I was thinking about just that feeling on on close to you, um, that feeling of like not saying hello to someone that you wished you would have and you were kind of like pumping yourself up like all day about like some party or something at the night and like you didn't do what you were planning on doing or like, I don't know. And so I was thinking like that's something probably everyone's experienced in some capacity at some point. And so just knowing that it's relatable helps me write about it because then you can look in a lot of different angles and think about hypotheticals. And
1: It's a very kind of small intimate specific example of quite a broad feeling like it's basically tapping into the idea of regret yeah yeah absolutely at what point then do you gain closure with a song when you're working on it and you're able to move past regret and not be worried about not adding the echo on the clap or whatever
0: yeah um (laughs) I don't know I think one thing I've learned about being a perfectionist is there's never any like smooth transitions you know you just have to like move on And so my moment is really just like when I let the song out, kind of just let it go and don't really listen to it too much. You know, until I start playing shows again, then, you know, I will perform it thousands of times, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait for shows. Yeah, I don't know. I just have to be really disciplined and remind myself that I have to move on sometimes.
1: Is it easier to do that if you're kind of creating constantly?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: When was the last day you didn't work on a piece of music?
0: Honestly, actually, these past few days, I haven't been like... I mean, I've kind of written some little hooks and things. I've been playing guitar and piano. You know, it's just how I pass the time usually. But I haven't been focused in making music for like the past week. And it's been awesome. Yeah, I need to take breaks, you know. I think we're kind of hardwired to be that way. Like, we need breaks. Yeah, this past week hasn't been necessarily writing music, just kind of been re- reflecting, which has been really nice. Do you still find you get inspired during these breaks? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's been a handful of times um, where I'm like, oh, I need to write now because I'm just so used to doing that. And I tell myself no. So I'm sure, you know, there'll be a handful of songs that are just built up after I take, you know, a couple weeks off.
1: When you're saying you're kind of reflecting during this period, is that on the music or just life in general and kind of taking a little bit of space to chill out? I think mostly life
0: in general, just kind of realizing my, my place as a musician and what that means. And yeah, I've, I've had so much happen in my life these past couple months. Like, I, I just recently got engaged, which I'm really excited about. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, and life is just, like, happening in front of me. And so, I don't want to be caught up. Like, I'm talking about, like, obsessing about, like, some, like, clap echo when I have, like, a wedding to plan. So, <laughs> um, it's just, like, realizing, like, I'm I'm just, like, a normal guy, like, just living my life. And, you know, it's it's good to take breaks from you know, being a creative.
1: Do you find it helps to ground you as well? You know, taking these breaks? Oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps. How do you kind of keep perspective in terms of life in general when things are kind of starting to shoot off in this way? Does it get harder?
0: I, I love being busy and I love like having big things happen all at once. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, and I think... It burns me out sometimes, but i I love just like being busy like i've I've always just felt older than I am, and that's been true since I was like eleven. like everybody around me has always said I'm like you know an old soul or whatever, and i'm I'm not you know like claiming that I'm like you know the wisest person alive or something, but there, there's definitely been just a lot of moments in my life where. I just keep myself busy and I'm
1: taking all these steps.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: I'm just growing up. Is that kind of why you started making music at 10 then? This idea of being a little bit older than you are? Because that's a young age to get working on Band.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's It's crazy to look back and think like, you know, I was writing these love songs, you know, at like age 11. And to look back at them, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know? Like I was definitely an 11-year-old like writing music. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm definitely more of a introvert than I think I realize. Like I love meeting people and talking to people and like I love to be around people and I'm definitely not like shy, I don't think. But when it comes to like rejuvenating and growing, I find that the best times are actually when I'm being really introspective in in introverted uh, ways. And so my life has just kind of always been that way, where I grow and learn the best when I'm just kind
1: of on my own. I mean, songwriting's kind of an inherently introspective act, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: I guess in another way, though, like you're saying that you try and think half the time you try and spend thinking about other people's experiences who might be listening to the song it kind does that then enable you to kind of view your own experiences in a different light while still being introspective?
0: I think so yeah, I definitely think so, yeah, it just kind of all depends on on the song and um you know how the listener interprets it, but yeah it, it's definitely helpful. I think we're designed you know, to be around other people and learn from other people. That's essentially how we learn anything, you know, is by someone else experiencing it or figuring it out first. Or if we learn something, you know, we share it with someone else. It's just kind of what being a human is. So we we desperately need
1: other people. Did you learn from other people when it came to music as well? Like, would you look at the structure of music you love growing up and try and analyze it a little bit and figure out how they did that?
0: Definitely, definitely so. Yeah, I'm very analytical when it comes to listening to music. I think what's different about my approach is I never really had like a personal coach or teacher or instructor of any sort um, with music or anybody else like learning about music as well. So I was analyzing songs and songwriting and how to play instruments and mix, but I was just doing it for my own lens. So nobody was really telling me how to look at it. It was just kind of like me looking at it myself. But somebody else had to make it first, so it's not like these are my own ideas, but it's
1: kind of like my own approach, if that makes sense. I mean, with the, the How I Made videos as well that you put up, does unpacking the song in that way and kind of analyzing your own work teach you things? Or kind of prompt revelations that you wouldn't have otherwise.
0: I think definitely so. Yeah, it's it's very funny. Just like uh, looking back at songs and seeing how I've changed things. Because I mean, we we have to like look back sometimes in our lives and realize, you know, how we've changed to realize that you're changing. Yeah, there's just so many things that I used to do. You know engineering wise that i just wouldn't even think to do anymore and that's just all part of discovery um and learning as you just kind of experiment
1: is that kind of why you leave a little bit of time after the songs have been released before you make those videos do you kind of need to leave that little bit of space to get that element of reflection
0: i think so yeah yeah definitely
1: i mean kind of following on from that too when you put out the new single at the start of this year did that have any impact looking at that when you then look back at the first record and the music you put out then, does it kind of, does releasing it force you to kind of frame the other stuff in a slightly different context and have a different understanding of it?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that there's just another song out, it just really does feel like a brand new chapter. And Fuzzy Rain now feels like my first album rather than like the album I have out. It's it's really strange how it just immediately kind of changed in my mind the purpose that it serves.
1: I mean, I was watching one of those videos and you were speaking about varsity and how you kind of forced yourself to do it in a specific amount of time so that you didn't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Is is that a technique that you've since employed again, or are you kind of just allowing yourself to run free with it now?
0: Um, I think every once in a while I'll do, you know, that same thing where I'm like forcing myself to not overthink something because I know that I will, you know. Yeah, it all just depends. On, on the song and the time and the point that I'm trying to get across.
1: When it comes back to the kind we were speaking about, the introvert-extrovert thing a little while back, mm. can you see different parts of songs kind of tapping into either side of your personality? Can you see songs that are maybe, or parts of songs that may be coming from the slightly extroverted side to you and some that are coming from the very much introverted? Definitely. I definitely
0: think so. With Fuzzy Brain specifically and this next record, I kind of try to do like half and half where there's, like, kind of two sides of the album. Half of them is kind of just, like, other people and experiences with other people. Um, And then, you know, one half is very introspective and thinking about yourself um, and processing, you know, your own emotions, Um, which I think kind of, yeah, is what it's like to be an introvert. But I I think definitely both sides are served um, in the context of the full album.
1: Where do you gather those stories for other people's experiences? Where do you kind of pull from for that?
0: Sometimes it'll just be like a friend, like a conversation I'm having with a friend or knowing something that they're going through. It could be like something I saw on TV or watching a YouTube video and just hearing an experience someone else had. I don't know. I'm just kind of always keeping my ear open to hear you know, a new story. But yeah, just kind of everywhere.
1: Do you ever listen to like people talking on trains or anything? Kind of have a little bit of a button to someone's conversation. Fly on the wall.
0: Um, Yeah, <laughs> uh, probably. There's probably been a couple of times where I like overhear something. I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? But yeah, it just depends. Like, I feel like everybody's kind of doing that all the time, really. Like social media kind of is just like eavesdropping, but it's like socially acceptable because everybody shares it i don't know it's just like this weird thing where like everybody knows what everybody else is doing so i have less and less times in public like especially now like in a pandemic i'm really not around um strangers too often and if i am i can't hear what they're saying because they're wearing a mask but <laughs> um yeah I, I don't know it just kind of kind of depends but
1: i mean social media almost becomes like a window and in, into an alternate life because it's a very kind of curated version of it kind of polished up cleaned up version of someone's life yeah not the kind of real authentic mm-hmm. thing
0: yeah yeah i think there are pros to social media and i kind of owe a lot of my career thus far to the platforms that social media are but i think there's also just a lot of um strange things about social media that i don't know are very good for our brains you know we'll have to see what happens you know in the long run because we've only had you know these services for for not that long but um yeah social media is weird it is a weird thing
1: it's funny how it feels like it's been around forever as well
0: yeah yeah it has i mean like not even 10 years i don't think i don't even think it's been like like a decade since like instagram was like a big deal I don't know,
1: twenty kind of thirteen, yeah, eight years ago or something.
0: Yeah, and it's just crazy how much it's changed. So we'll have
1: to see. Is that a similar thing with your music? Like, does it feel like you've been making it all your life?
0: Actually, yes. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, yeah, it's so strange to think a little over two years ago, Dayglow, like nobody was really like. I mean, I was making the music, but it wasn't a situation where like people knew about it or really cared. Like, I was still just going to be a college student um, and, you know, doing that whole thing. So it's crazy how much, you know, I've grown up and changed over these past, you know, two and a half years. And what way has it changed you most? Um, I think I've just grown up and become an adult really, really quick. Um, I mean, I'm, like, living on my own um, in this house. Um, Had to do all these, like business things you know like uh figuring out all these things with my managers and you know everything that comes along with the music industry my life just looks a lot different meaning like the priorities that I have and the things that I do every day versus all my friends who are you know still mostly just college students my life just looks a lot different than theirs yeah it's just it's just weird
1: if we think back to a song such as run the world that was one of the first ones you wrote like like at 17 around right about then yeah I mean if we think back to that song you think about the person who wrote that and made that piece of music how much of that mm-hmm. person still feels present in you now when you're crafting music
0: quite a bit I, I would say like I mean it's a constant paradox where like I'm growing up and changing so much but I'm still you know biologically just the exact same person you know it's it's crazy how growing up works but I think I have changed a lot as a musician and quite a bit as a person, but there are still a lot of things about me. I'm sure that will just never change. So, you know, for better or for worse. So
1: how would you say you've changed as a musician?
0: My approach to music, my musical taste, because I'm, I'm 21 and like, I'm still figuring out what music I like and, you know, I'm listening to new artists all the time and, You know, I I probably would have skipped over a lot of the songs I'm listening to now because they're probably, I probably would have thought they're like too slow or, you know, too like, like I would have never probably listened to The Carpenters when I was 17, but um, now that's like, yeah, it's just what I'm like vibing to now, you know, just like this slow music. I just feel like I'm already like a 50 year old man, you know, (laughs) Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens by the time I'm that old. I'm going to seem like I'm like
1: 600. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you can hear that and Run the World, you know, with that kind of guitar progression. It's very much that upbeat mm-hmm. kind of indie thing going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I still love, like, all those same bands I was listening to, but um, I don't know.
1: I guess just my taste has changed. How does making music full-time now impact your obsessive kind of nature toward it? I, I think I'm more consumed by it
0: but in a good way I I think I think now that it's full-time it's just awesome because I this is exactly what I've always wanted to do is just like really fully focus on making music and being an artist and connecting with people which still doesn't feel like a full-time job you know I feel like it's just like it, it doesn't I don't know some some moments gonna happen where it's like no like you have to do something else but it's just awesome, you know, it's it's awesome having this like be my job. It's crazy.
1: I was um I was hearing something the other day in regards to kind of creativity, which I found really fascinating when kind of looking at it in comparison to my own life and doing this. So I was intrigued to see how it maybe fits into yours. And it's that the desire that we have to kind of create and to make art or music or whatever Oftentimes, it kind of always seems to be fueled by this hole in a person's life, which creating the music then kind of fills and fulfills. Now that you know you've released a record, almost completed another one, and started to see success and garner a fan base, are you able to kind of identify what that hole in your life was that music is now filling, and what kind of started this journey for you in the first place and prompted you to create art originally?
0: Yeah, I mean that that's a great question. I think, like, I'm constantly thinking about growing up you know, and and what it's like to be growing up. And so for Fuzzy Brain, yeah, like I I was really isolated and I I was just like figuring out how to deal with all these emotions and like thinking about how great it's going to be once I'm out of this small town and I can be like in this other place and kind of move on from these little like, you know, high school. It's just like high school. Nobody really likes that time of their life. You just change a lot. And, um, You know, once Fuzzy Brain was out and it started getting attention, now it's kind of like, whoa, like, I have all this attention and I kind of just like want to go back into my own little bubble. And so, (laughs) um, it's kind of just this like back and forth, I don't know, always craving the next thing, which fuels, you know, art. I I always have to have something to write about and that I'm feeling. So, it's good that, I guess, the hole isn't completely filled. and maybe. You know, maybe one day it will be and then I'll just like I don't know, become a um become a farmer or something. Yeah, I think I'm always just like looking at the next step and the next thing I'm gonna talk about.
1: Do you think you'll be able to keep creating art if that hole is filled?
0: I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But I, I think I think the answer probably would, be, would would be yes. Like I don't think there's ever gonna come a day where I just fully stop like, you know, creating stuff. You know, I think inevitably I'll probably eventually run out of my um, energy to create, you know, I I love Paul McCartney, right? I, I love Paul McCartney, absolutely. But, you know, his first couple albums were quite a bit better than, Three that he just released, in my opinion, you know, so one day I'll grow old, you know, and like thinking my music will probably deteriorate a little bit, but I'll probably still keep making it because it's fun.